0: Everybody. Welcome into the Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Very excited today for the program we have for you. Rick Wilson is back. Back in the Back Room. Uh, we'll get to Rick in a second. But first, let me thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate you listening. And we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy@gmail.com at gmail.com and or post on our social media. And we'll read a few next time. And if you like the podcast, please follow or subscribe, and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. All right, let's move on to our guest today. The inimitable Rick Wilson is a renowned political strategist, infamous ad maker, writer, speaker, political commentator, co-founder of the political action committee, The Lincoln Project, and a two-time New York Times best-selling author. Rick, welcome back
1: into the back room. Hey, Andy, good to be with you.
0: So I want to start off with your Resolute Square piece that you wrote yesterday. (laughs) And I got to say, it uh, kept me up a little bit. And if I could quickly summarize it, the the essence of it is that Democrats might be delusional if they think that there are more Trump indictments coming. He's going to have a lot of trials. There's going to be all these convictions. He's going to go to prison. Joe Biden is going to get reelected in 24 and by the end of the decade, we're all going to be fondly looking back at this decade, you know, in the rearview mirror and uh, we and democracy are going to live happily ever after. You don't think that's actually going to happen to you.
1: Or you're worried. Andy, I I am. I'm not. I've never been known as like a ray of sunshine. I tend to tell people what I think is really happening. And and because of a lot of the 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 experience i've had in this now almost eight years to the day i i was the first guy out of the box way back in may of 2015 i said you know trump's a scam he's a liar blah 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 blah. but i I remember i was on a radio interview somewhere and i said i said but you know if he got in i don't know what the republican party is going to do because they love this kind of performance art and i started tweeting about it in the spring of 15 and and i was the first like significant republican consultant out of the box to say no, no, and no, I'm not doing this. If he's the nominee, I'm not doing it. And over and over again in the last eight years, which my, my head has grown balder, my beard has grown whiter, but I have learned over and over again, never take the upside on Trump. Never think that something is going to save you, whether it's the law or the courts or the institutions of our government. Or the decency of human beings, or, or certainly not the Republican Party of today, and and so I, I wrote this piece at Resolute because I, I had a, a deep sense that people were overcounting the Jack Smith indictments and the arraignment that they were that they were overscoring it in the political environment. The Republican Party does not care. Seventy-eight percent of Republicans in a survey I saw yesterday that I was briefed on yesterday afternoon by a by a Private pollster say that the charges are completely or somewhat politically motivated, and they dismiss them. They just they just screw it. We don't have to worry about it. And Trump is innocent. It has consolidated his hold over the party. It has given it has given a a wedge of the of the Republican Party back to Trump in a way that had gotten a little loose. Not not terribly loose, but it gotten a little bit loose, and it's they've all come back to him and so I don't think it changes the primary. I don't think people have have truly understood that you've got a Trump judge who has already shown us that she's crazier than a bag of hair, but you've also got south florida and 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 look, I'm a Florida guy. I have a lot of experience in South Florida politics, a lot of experience in South Florida business and it is the most lavishly overwhelmingly corrupt place that i have ever been on earth and i've been around the block it 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 i mean people in mogadishu go hey you know you guys need to ease off on the corruption okay <laughs> yeah. people in moscow go hey this is too dirty for us we we we're, we're going to move to miami so the rule of law will apply <laughs> no this is a place where where the jury pool first off is it going to be extremely maga That's a very, 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 very high probability that you can't pull a jury that won't contain one or two or three or more people who are batshit crazy magas. And they have gotten smart enough to play the game and pretend they're not. Because they're going to say, I'm going to be the one who saves Donald Trump. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah, I'm going to save Donald Trump. You watch. Mm. And that South Florida jury pool is also... they. They acquit public officials all the time of the most lavish, insane levels of corruption that, that I mean, you cannot imagine how dirty it is. People, people from other states go, oh, yeah, now New Yorks must be corrupt. No, 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 no. Miami is bags of cash. Miami is sacks of money. Miami is Bitcoin wallets being handed off in shady real estate deals with public officials all the time. There's a guy in Miami named David Rivera, and I it's too long to go into now, but David Rivera was basically like the political human cockroach. At the end of time, when the world is reduced to, to smoking ashes and mutant and mutant cockroaches, David Rivera will still stride the earth he was the most corrupt public official in the history of Florida by a long shot and that's a lot and the guy got out of it like 7 or 8 times in a row he kept getting out of it and that's the sort of culture down there they very rarely hold a public official to account they 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 they've grown up thinking it's like if you grew up at a heavy metal concert all the time you'd think that was the baseline of noise okay you think that was the baseline sound i i you live in the country i walk outside it's It's crickets and birds and owls. But they are in this baseline of corruption. And so they're going to look at this and go, so he kept some documents. Okay. And I just think people are overscoring the ability of that. And yes, I know a lot of my very smart lawyer friends, and I agree with them. Jack Smith seems to have Trump dead to rights. The case looks absolutely airtight. The idea that this guy did what he did, and as a former security clearance holder, I can tell you, if i had done it i would still be in jail and i didn't, i worked in the defense world in the in the late 80s early 90s and all these all these items in the case it's horrific he did it it's obvious you you've seen the the evidence the photographs the recordings the documents all of it it's horrible the case is rock solid that doesn't mean they're going to win mhm that doesn't mean they're going to get a jury to say, "Oh yeah, no, no, Trump did this. He's a bad dude." They so also... let me let me
0: ask you this: Jack yeah, sure. Smith seems like the king of fuck around and find out, right? I mean, yeah, he's that,
1: he's the mayor of that town. Yeah,
0: he. That photo of him in that robe alone makes me shit my pants. Okay, so given what you it's said like... and and given the the content of your piece, which by the way is called "There Are No Miracles." Would it have been less of a rolling of the dice to deal with the potential consequences jurisdictionally of keeping that case in D.C.? Why move Uh, it to Miami then if what you're saying is really such a a potential? I mean, Andy,
1: I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, but a couple of very smart lawyers walked me through the venue problem. And it was a meaningful problem. The two venues that are valid are South Florida and and Bedminster in New Jersey. Or I, I don't know what district in New Jersey is in, but those are the two valid places for venue. D.C. was a lift; it was a stretch. But the case itself, you know, look, I, I, I'm not faulting the lawyering or the investigation work. I'm just saying that that there's many, as my grandmother would say, there's many a slip twixt the cup and the lip. And he's he's got a chance of getting off of this case on the legal front, on the on the jury front. On a procedural front with this judge who may be a, who may turn into be a monster for the for the against the government in their making their case, and finally, and I think I, I think most importantly, there's this sense that they've made this move because the clock was running, and they're right. the clock is running. They don't have six months to make this case. They have weeks. That judge could easily say, "Well, see you next spring." and the Department of Justice at that point he will be the Republican nominee by that point, either functionally or, 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 or by the time it hits, we'll be, will have enough, enough delegates to basically make it a, a foregone conclusion. I mean, and right. He's the Republican nominee. Now people should just like, forget the horse race thing. It's not a horse race. You can't make a horse race out of horse shit. And the, the rest of these people are, are, you know, dwarves in the land of a giant. I don't say that as a compliment to Donald Trump. I say that because they are they are a bunch of small sad ass people. What do you make of and, uh,
0: Judge Cannon's scheduling order yesterday which with regard to security clearances? Do you not see that as an indication of I, her intention to perhaps speed up the process rather than slow it down?
1: So, well, my understanding of that is that it's a requirement in cases with this kind of thing. It's a, there's a there's a judicial procedure that's sort of a I don't know if it's a it's a regulation or a law or something but there's a way that the federal courts handle security classification cases, and that sort of laying the groundwork for it. Again, I don't know her previous behavior in the in the previous case she handled regarding Trump should be looked at with skepticism and caution and, and alertness as opposed to yay we've got him. I just I listen. I wish we had him. I wish we had him with Mueller because we did, and Bill Barr went out and lied about the report. I wish we had him. You know, with a number of other things. But unfortunately, he has the luck of the devil. He has a massive media machine. And the Justice Department, when he's the nominee, they're gonna pull back. Mark my words. I don't care what you guys out in 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 liberal land think of Merrick Garland. The guy is an institutionalist. He's cautious. He is a small ball player. Smart guy, good guy, but he is not. He's not going to go out and swing for the fences on this thing if it makes the Justice Department look like it is a political attack tool against Trump. And that's what all the Republicans believe already. And so it's really difficult. I, they're, they're in a horrible position. I wish they had been able to bring this case six months ago. That would have been a different story. We would have had a much different climate, landscape, et cetera. But, you know, they had to do the investigation as a special counsel. He's got to go through the, 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 the stations of the cross to get here. But we're in a dangerous spot, Andy. We are, we're in a point where if Trump is acquitted in this case, Katie bar the door because he's going to be coming on strong. He will spend the next 15 months running hard against Joe Biden, and he will be the de facto nominee at that point. Because all of the other people right now, by the way, <laughs> I spoke to a former Republican friend. Let me describe him as a uh, wealthy private equity person. Who was a reluctant Trumper who, after January six, called me and said, "I'm never giving to Trump again. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out." And he gave DeSantis a meaningful donation last year, or this year, mm-hmm. early this year. And so we were talking yesterday, and he goes, "Yeah, you know, Ron has been back around, and we're trying to we're trying to raise more money for him, but but it's kind of frozen right now. He's raising money from from private equity guys, from hedge fund guys, and from the oil and gas industry types. But every single one of them is like, you know, Ron. I could give you a million, but I'm going to give you a hundred thousand because, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Trump now, and they're all terrified that that Trump will somehow weasel out of this thing, and 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 take the nomination again. And they're all going to go back to right where they were in 2016. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I love you. Where can I wire the million dollars?
0: Let me ask you about Can. Back to Judge Cannon. Her reputation obviously has been. Marred, stained, tarnished—whatever you want to use—a little bit. (laughs) bit. Uh, She was really (laughs) excoriated by the Eleventh Circuit. I mean, just brought to her knees over how she undermined the rule of law. To use your uh, paraphrase, you—am I just a naive lib tard, lib tard, to think that maybe she's just going to surprise everyone and say, "Okay, here's an opportunity for me to sort of get my career back on track." And rather than show that I'm in the tank for Trump, I'm gonna go the opposite direction. I'm gonna play hardball. Or as hardball as I can.
1: Um Am I crazy. Yeah, you're crazy. I, I knew you'd say that. I, I think I think from her character before, and remember, she is not a really she's not a judge with a lot of depth. Okay. She's not she's not some legal superstar out there. This is her lifetime federal appointment. And and I think she likes this job. And I don't think her reputation matters to her as much as her politics. And that's that's really, that's really the the real test of of, of political humans these days. Mm-hmm. Does your reputation matter more? Does your honor and integrity matter more than your politics? Right. And for Republicans, and even for principled conservatives, they they claim it never really does because they always will put Trump ahead of all the other all the other things.
0: Back to your uh, Resolute Square piece. And because you are the cunning linguist that you are, I have to quote you on something. You, you methodically broke down your reasoning why this could end up in a catastrophe. And one of the elements was mm-hmm. the Republican media. Okay. So of the Republican media, you write, the MAGA media's hermetic reality bubble will feed millions of Republicans a twisted bizarro world version of trump's crimes casting him as a hero of the people railroaded by the evil progressive marxist socialist wiccan lesbian woke poetry majors that's brilliant <laughs> that's brilliant do you, when do you, how do you come up with this shit i couldn't you know, if i sat down for like hours trying to write something like that i couldn't how do you come up with that
1: uh, Wic- uh, wiccan poetry I, I, majors
0: I, Wic- where do wiccans I, come from
1: I don't know. They somewhere out of somewhere out of the the fertile the fertile loam of my brain, you know. I I joke about this all the time, but it, it, I I write a lot and I read a lot, and and that that classical education is once in a while good for something. Mm-hmm. Your but point I also is the,
0: the 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 media is what we're on really underestimating the power yeah, of that uh, m- machinery. Right. I also meant it. I also poison.
1: meant it. minute as a serious note that the if you poke a non-politically engaged MAGA conservative who will come out in the general election and vote for Trump, they did it twice before, they'll do it again, and you ask them, why is Trump under indictment? They will not say, because he stole and shared classified documents about American war plans and intelligence, blah, 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 and stored them in, in, in an unlocked bathroom in a country club in South Florida. They will say, it's all fake, it's the global cannibal pedophile network run by George Soros and Hillary Clinton, Trying to make our hero president, who is really still our president, they're 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 just trying to get him. They can't they can't beat him politically, so they're gonna. They believe these things, Andy. They believe things that are absolutely untrue. They believe that horse dewormer cures COVID. They believe that that when Donald Trump says something, it's a scientific fact. Bleach cures, you know, UV light up your ass and bleach and da da da. da. All of it, all of it is this alternate reality and it is fed by, yes, it's fed by Fox and OAN and Newsmax, Mm -hmm. but it also is a downstream effect of these closed Facebook groups where where older Republicans in these Facebook groups are fed a algorithmically driven lie lie after lie after lie after lie after lie about Trump and about Biden and about the world. And right now, what they're being fed is, oh, Donald Trump's not the criminal. Joe Biden, with his $50 million secret payments from China and and bribes and Zelensky, all of it is made up. It's all BS. But they are fed this, and they get their news now from Facebook. Mm-hmm. And younger, slightly younger MAGA's are on Telegram and Discord and all these other places, and they're eating up this content of memes and and bullshit that portrays Trump as this hero and that owns the libs all the time and all of it is almost invisible to progressives and liberals and and most Democrats. They don't see it. They don't even know about a lot of it, okay? There are are groups that do streams on on Telegram that get more audience eyeballs every night than CNN. There 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 are Facebook groups hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people being fed these, this misinformation all the time. And Meta will do nothing about it. Twitter, of course, is a lost cause with Elon. And all of this sort of accrues to this this sealed bubble, this reality sphere around the, the MAGA voters where they believe completely fake and, and bizarre things. At best, they get a really twisted, like, as I said, bizarro world version of the truth. And you know, look. The other day, I some crazy person sent me this long, long, long email. TLDR, he basically said Jack Smith's wife once gave five hundred dollars to a Democrat. Therefore, he's part of a conspiracy with Hillary and George Soros. Sure, okay, logic follows, yeah. But it's it's a really it's a really challenging element of this entire thing.
0: You you mentioned in your piece that. Democrats and all of us I guess not just Democrats. You say that th- th- we all have to stop with the wishful thinking and instead put in the work. What does that mean? What does that look like?
1: Look, I think the Democrats need to be doing three big things right now. The first thing they have to do and I, and I mean this I mean this from the bottom of my heart cuz all my love is tough. All, all even my tough love is still love folks. They need to rally behind Joe Biden. They need to choke out all this, and, and, they're, and they're, they're getting there on this point. Choke out all this progressive, oh, I wish Gavin was running. Oh, I hate Kamala Harris. Oh, I you're going to be, you got, here's the ticket, folks, on the Democratic side. It's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That's it. Stop, Stop complaining about it. Stop, stop, stop. Every time you complain about it, you give Steve Bannon and all these other weirdos ammunition to divide the Democratic Party. Okay? The Democrats need to understand that unity is a weapon, unity is a powerful tool in a campaign because it allows you to start the campaign in earnest. There's a temptation to do a Rose Garden strategy because he's the president that, that sweeps away RFK Jr., who is Steve Bannon's monkey. He's not a real candidate, obviously. He's insane, completely batshit insane. Marianne Williamson, okay, whatever, Moonbeam. But the the Democrats need to rally and be proud of the president. We discovered in 2022, we won 17 out of the 22 races we targeted, which in politics is a hell of a batting average, right? We discovered that the candidates who were embracing the president, even though his numbers were low, did better. They did better than the ones who were completely like, I'm going to be an independent rando. And the second part of this is to use the good news that is out there. because. The economy under Joe Biden is an unequivocal success story. Inflation is coming down finally. We've never had a better jobs picture in this country in its entire history. Wages are rising. Employment is, like I said, it, unemployment was a key driver of politics for generations in this country. And suddenly, now that it's Joe Biden, Republicans are like, I don't care about unemployment. Whatever. It's not a big deal. The, the same numbers they they... They crowed about under Trump. Biden has outdone them by a factor of three or four. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, that doesn't matter. But so telling the good news stories, he passed a tremendously powerful bill on infrastructure, a tremendous, the the Inflation Reduction Act. All these things this country as a country has been begging to do for generations. Joe Biden got it done. Mm -hmm. The other thing that they should be proud of and the other story they should be telling is that Joe Biden knows how to beat Republicans in the game of politics. And he's done it consistently. He's schooled Kevin McCarthy. He's schooled Mitch McConnell. And and this guy is they've consistently underestimated Biden's performance. Democrats need to be telling the good news story about the economy and about about the, the broad sense that that Joe Biden may be an old guy, but he's damn good at his job. Yeah, he's he done he
0: masterfully work. schooled them at the State of the Union on that on, that, yeah. moment, that
1: moment. Yeah, that moment was so beautiful and it was one of those things as a speech writer and as a debate a prep trainer and a media trainer in my political, you know, tasks over my career, you can't make that moment happen unless you're, unless you are mentally acute, unless you see the opportunity and take it while the cameras are on and a hundred million people are watching you. And if you blow it, you screw it up. It's, it's a disaster. If you, if you make the call and do it and do it right, you end up with a situation, as we did, where Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy were sitting there with their jaws hanging down because they, he took away their toys. Mm-hmm. He, he took away their, their toys. But that the, the good news stuff that's out there, it's meaningful. It matters. Crime is down. Inflation is down. Spending on infrastructure, highways, roads, bridges, electricity. In, in internet connectivity, it's all up. These are good things. These are good things to talk about. They are good news stories. And again, this is one of the things where, where I counsel my Democratic friends. I know you didn't get every single thing you wanted on climate or whatever in the in the bill. Take the win, people. Take yeah. the win. Well, you
0: your your colleague today, Simon Rosenberg, has a piece in Resident yeah. Square mm-hmm. on the economy. He does. I
1: mean, just... I was just about to refer to Simon's piece. <laughs> yeah, and so when you
0: th- when you take what he wrote and you take what you just said, and what I believe is the fact, fact, that Joe Biden is perhaps the most successful, productive first-term president, maybe not just in modern history, but in all of history, w- what is wrong with Democrats? Why is his popularity not soaring through the roof? It, are, are they just guilty of being ageists like anyone else? Like. I don't well, get there, that. There,
1: there, there is some ageism there because Democrats have traditionally wanted the young, vital, handsome candidates. You know, they, they want a JFK. They want a Bill Clinton. They want a Barack Obama. I get it, okay? It's politically appealing. I get it. But what they don't realize is the country's older now, too. The country's demographically top-heavy now. We're not having kids anymore in this country, Right? And without immigration, we'd be at basically net zero population growth right now. The country's getting older and grayer. The country looks a lot more like Joe Biden than it did 20 years ago. The country, the, the, the people, you know, I, I had to remind a friend of mine the other day, I'm like, dude, when you voted for Barack Obama the first time, you were 45 years old. And now you're 65 years old, you know, or whatever. And, and it 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 starts to add up. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of that, when I started this fight, I was 51. Now I'm 59. Good God, you know? It, but the country's a lot grayer than it was. But here's the thing. Biden is a healthy guy. I mean, I put Biden up against Donald Trump on a treadmill 10 days a week. And you look at 80-year-olds, and you used to think, oh, God, 80-year-old, they're, they're going to be in the nursing home. My parents are 80, and they're in Alaska hiking right now because mm-hmm. that's what they do, you know? And Biden is a he's, he's he's robust. Is he as healthy as he was twenty years ago? Of course not. Is he going to make it? I hope so. And I I I, I will tell people, you know, they're going to the Republicans are always going to try to do the dementia Joe thing, but you know he's got he's got a, if with an with a, a united party, telling a good news story. And then the third thing they have to do is focus in on a handful of the issues, where Republicans have gone off the cliff. And when I say this, I don't mean that you should go out and describe the perfect world Democrats want, because a lot of Americans, just being honest with you guys, are not as woke as people that are very online and are coastal Democrats. The rest of the country, including Democrats, are not as far to the left as the D.C., New York, Boston corridor of Democrats or the California to Seattle corridor of Democrats, you should look at the things the Republicans are doing that drive people nuts. Six-week abortion ban. It's absolutely deadly poison for Republicans. You don't go and make it like a big argument about choice. You make it about freedom. You make it about punitive, weird, all-male panels judging women's, women's sexual behavior. You make it about The the snitch program in Texas where men are paid to report women getting abortions, the Kansas model for the abortion discussion is brilliant and people should follow it. No matter matter what you felt in those polls in Kansas, even pro-life people were like, this is too much. In Florida, DeSantis signed the six-week abortion ban at midnight with no cameras and no audience because he knew. His own pollster told him, dude, this is bad. This is poison. So that's one. The second thing that they should be going at on hard is to link every single Republican candidate to Donald Trump, because they are, because they'll never say the words they'll never say he's a criminal. They'll never say he's full of shit. They'll never say he's un- in unfit for office. They'll never say he's corrupt. They'll never say he tried to burn down the constitution by invading the Capitol. They will never do it. And Americans, there is a, in the broad population, There is a growing sense of the danger of Trump and the danger of the movement Trump leads and linking that danger, violence, and hatred that drives those people who, you know, storm the Capitol and who are the most fanatic of the Trump types to the, to all the normie Republicans, all the good guys, you can have a lot of political mileage on that. I mean, we were very successful in Arizona last time by linking every other Democrat to crazy Carrie Lake and to weirdo Blake Masters. So down the ballot, you're able to knock out other people who are trying to like run under the radar screen as normal Republicans, because people don't want the crazy anymore. They're tired of it. They're exhausted by it. Now, for all that, you know, we're in a better position electorally than, than we were in 2020. Joe Biden's been a successful president. He, he has managed to pull off a lot of miracles around the economy and COVID and everything else. It still doesn't mean that Donald Trump can't win because he can. And when I say doing the work, I would like Democrats to spend, right now, they spend about 90% of the time talking about how what policy will win and 10% of the time talking about shit like voter registration, candidate recruitment, grassroots fundraising. They should be focused on the mechanics, the nuts and bolts all of the things that are underneath the surface of a campaign that make a campaign successful. Right. And, and especially voter registration, the Republicans are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to not only register more Republicans, but to legally block more Democrats from voting in the States. Next spring, you're gonna see a tidal wave of laws to try to restrict African-American ballot access across the country. You're gonna find all these new restrictions. You're gonna see the things that you thought were bad in Florida and Georgia last year, they're gonna be amped up to a million because they're they're, they're planning this right now. So I want Democrats to focus on the operational mechanics of campaigning a little bit more, because they think, well, our climate change plan will certainly win over that middle-class Democrat who who voted for for Trump. No, it will not. It will not. However, selling to that middle-class Democrat, you tell him, hey, by the way, if your daughter gets raped, you're gonna to have to. She's gonna to have to have that baby. Yeah. Well, see, this is weeks. why
0: we libtards always wish guys like you are on our side because you know how to create the right bumper stickers. <laughs> we're not Democrats. Just don't know how to write a bumper sticker. It, it ends up being like the entire bumper is what we what we do. <laughs> I know. And those messages are very very important. The last thing I want to ask you is: you look at Pence, you look at Haley, you, you look at people coming forward, you look at Christie. Uh, Are we at some kind of inflection point where some of the Republican leadership in this country is starting to make a significant enough break for it to move the needle and to start to affect others to follow suit? No. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. That was Rick Wilson. (laughs) Have fun. (laughs) That's another episode of Optimism on the Back Room.
1: Chris Christie has no lane in the Republican Party. Now- I, I posted a little bit about Chris earlier in the week. He's a smart guy, a good prosecutor in, in his day, decent governor. Not great, decent. There's no lane in the Republican Party. If the Republican Party was looking for bold truth tellers, they left the room a long time ago. Chris Christie will come in ninth or 10th in Iowa, seventh or eighth in New Hampshire, 47th in South Carolina. I could I could give, I could go put my name on the ballot in any state and outpoll Chris Christie. I'm not even joking. Republicans hate a Republican who criticizes Donald Trump. And, you know, so Nikki Haley and and Tim Scott and the rest of them that are sort of sort of like treading up to the lines and Ron DeSantis, who keeps trying this like weirdly passive aggressive formulation, like so well, weird. the DOJ is corrupt, but oh, I've never paid a porn star. That kind of shit, right? All of it, you know, amounts to to nothing. All of it amounts to, to absolute nothing. They're not going to do anything that will truly defy Trump. In the end, they want to be on the debate stage. To be on the debate stage, you have to sign a pledge that you will support the Republican nominee. Now, they've learned nothing. They have learned nothing because they tried to force Trump to do that, and, and Reince Priebus got, a, got, his, got his drink on and took a little, like, Office Depot certificate that he printed out to Trump in 2015. Trump signed it and did a grip and grin with him. And Priebus thought he had trapped Trump in the Republican Party, that he would support the nominee in the end. Really, so Trump stupid. had trapped the Republican Party in with him. You know, it's the Watchman thing.
0: Well, he's a pathological liar. Why, anyone would say, oh, great. Trump signed the pledge.
1: And by the way, by the way, let's just say this. Let's say Trump signs that they they all signed this pledge, Trump included, right? And let's just say Trump gets, you know, I don't know, hit by a car and he's unable to run for president or whatever happens. Do you think or Ron DeSantis somehow beats him? Right. Do you think Trump's going to go down to Mar-a-Lago and say, I was beaten fair and square. Ron DeSantis is a good man. I'm going to support his presidency. I'm, I'm here to support the Republican Party ticket. That's going to happen, anybody? Because if anyone in the audience thinks that's going to happen, please contact me at buythebrooklynbridge <laughs> because I will sell it to you. Yeah, Ooh, a- mean, Asa, is... Asa
0: Hutchinson, right? He's he he knows that. He went to the RNC this week and said, "Let's do away with the pledge," and they told him to fuck off. Right. I mean, the pl- I don't understand the emphasis put on something that carries
1: absolutely no weight. It is it is a trap, and and it is. It is also the party admitting to itself that it is hopelessly corrupted by Trump. It's admitted, it's admitting that they've swallowed the poison. They can't escape it. And, and that, that they know the coalition is fragile and growing more. So I tell you know, this is one of the things that we've done at Lincoln in 2020. Our target audiences in the States between three and 8% of them were. Republicans who were gettable. And we, we ended up getting in the, you know, on average, about 5.85% in various states of Republicans. We switched them to Biden, which in politics seems like a small thing, but it's a big thing. Because mm-hmm. you only have to flip a few tens of thousands of votes in most of these states to change the chemistry. We have a lot of closed states in the country, Wisconsin, Ohio, Florida. That number has expanded. Our models now show it ranges in, the very, in our target states between 7 and 11%. Why? Dobbs, January 6th. Indictments, Trump, you know, being a cancer on society, all those things add up to a Republican party that knows it's got a fragile coalition now. It knows that they can't afford to lose a lot of people. They can't afford to lose a lot of votes. They can't, they can't take the risk that people like us can flip. I don't know. Well, you know, like I said, we, we ended up at 5.85% average out over our target states in 2020. I think we could probably get that number. I mean, I'm My goal line is to get that number to about 8 or 9% in 2024. Those Republicans are out there. They have either left the party, they've gone into neutral, they've gotten nervous about it. Now, the political gravity may draw them back if we're not careful, but I think there's a meaningful way for us to grab them, hold them, and keep them from drifting back to Trump in 2024. And that's really how we have to, how, that's really how you have to win. That's part of getting the work done is, for us, is getting those soft Republicans conservative-leaning independents who recognize that authoritarian statism and nationalist populism is not conservatism.
0: Well, let's hope you're right, because it's really important. Folks, check out uh, Rick's piece on resolute square.com Rick, it's always uh, a lot of fun and insightful to have you on. Can't wait for the next time. Thanks for coming in.
1: Have a great weekend, Andy. You too. Take care.
0: That's episode 86. If you like what you've been hearing, and even if you don't, let us know. We appreciate the feedback. You can leave us a message at 845-307-7446. Email us at backroomandy at gmail.com or tweet to me at Andy Ostroy. And when you listen, please take a quick moment to rate and review. It's very helpful. And if you do like the podcast, please follow or subscribe. And you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Dan Hamoud, Richard Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wind and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guest, Rick Wilson. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week.